say you are an overcomer in Christ, no matter what, against any of the seven deadly sins, because with God's help, we can pursue the seven godly virtues. And that's our focus in this series. Uh, Not only do we recognize the dangers of sin, but we recognize the goodness of grace. And uh, one of the reasons we sang the song, Beautiful Things, on on a Sunday when we're talking about sexuality, is that that is one of the beautiful gifts of God. You know, we live in a world that's gone sex crazy, right? I mean, the TV shows get racier, the movies get raunchier, the lyrics get get more explicit. And um, this week, Playboy magazine announced that in the next few months, it's not going to publish any more images of naked women because they don't need to. Those images are everywhere. So they're going to stop to be more relevant. Hello? That's weird. Okay, that's weird. We have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Okay? And the problem is that we have become so saturated with sexual imagery and sexual fantasy that we can't even find our way through this. And in the face of all of that, too often the church is just silent. It's awkward and it feels a little weird to talk about it. And and instead of claiming the truth that this is God's gift, we sometimes send the wrong message. Um, Tony Campolo, ever heard of him? Uh, I, he makes me laugh, among, and then he makes me cry, and then he makes me like, eh. but anyway, he, he made me laugh when he said that when he was growing up in church, what he was taught about sex is that sex is a horrible, dirty, awful thing, and you should save it for the one you love, <laughs> right? <clears throat> I've been there, okay? I have been there, and so today, we want to get the message right. It isn't sex that's the problem, it's lust. Okay, sex is God's gift. It's beautiful. It's, it's designed to enrich our marriages. So uh, just a little heads up. At the close of the service, we went a little long for a service, and there's a reason. Because we took time to pray. And remember we said we're going to have a come to Jesus moment every week? Anybody remember that? So here's what it's going to look like. At the close of the service, we are going to have prayer. And we are going to pray um, bold and courageous prayers about this subject. And we're going to pray for every married couple. You're here, you're married, whether your spouse is with you or not, we're going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray a blessing on you. If you're single and you're here, no matter what age or stage, from teenagers to young adults to widowed or widowers, um, we're going to pray protection over you, okay? Is that a good thing? I learned a long time ago, sexual temptation does not end at 40, just in case you were wondering. Okay, I can testify to that. So we're going to pray for everyone who's single at every stage. And then we're going to pray, perhaps some more um, poignant prayer. Uh, We've been asking the Lord for the last couple of weeks, Pastor Shane and I have shared quite a bit about this and how we're going to close. and, And I said, we need to pray for anybody who's wounded who feels like they've been a victim or maybe who's addicted or struggling, we need to have the courage to pray about that. So that will be a private prayer. No one will stand or raise their hand. But we're going to pray for healing and help and deliverance and strength. And we're going to believe God's going to do something life-changing. 
before we get into this whole subject, I need to remind everybody here, kind of take a pastoral moment, press pause, and say, some of you got an email or a letter this week reminding you that we have an opportunity to buy a house across the street for a wonderful purchase price, thanks to the Harrow family. And next Sunday, after second service, the membership of our church is going to, we need to vote in order for us to borrow the funds to pay for the house, okay? All right? Is that okay? We need to vote. So we're going to come, we're going to have a meeting, and we're going to talk about that. And uh, our vision and leadership board recommends it unanimously that we go ahead, but we will have time to discuss it, pray about it, and then vote next Sunday. Now, where was I? Sex, right? That's where I was, right? I did press pause. Yes, I did. So what shall we press now? Play. Let's press play. All right. Here we go. In the face of the challenges that all of us face on the subject of human sexuality, I want to start with the positive. Did you know that right in the middle of your Bible is a Hebrew love poem that is very open and honest about that subject? Did you know that? It's called the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. It's not read very often in church. (laughs) Yeah, it'll kind of make you blush, all right? So what's it in there for? What's it in there for? Why is that in your Bible? It is in your Bible to remind you that God gave it to us as a beautiful gift. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not horrible, dirty, and awful. It is a gift of God designed to enrich a marriage between a man and a woman to to unite them, to bless them, to give us joy. And so let's start there. Purity celebrates sex as a beautiful gift from God. Song of Songs 8-7. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Love is invaluable. Love is unquenchable. Love is a holy treasure. And the sexual side of human love and intimacy is a blessing from God. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19 says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. I was going to make that the uh, memory verse this week. Uh, I thought some of you would, would appreciate that. But that's not it, okay? We're going to go with another verse, although you can memorize it, okay? God is the one who invented sex. Does anybody remember about, I don't know, 20 years ago, Madonna came out with this racy picture book, and the, the name of it was Sex. And I was pastoring in Saskatoon, Canada, and I had had it with this whole idea that that sex is the domain of the devil. And so we bought a quarter-page ad in the local paper, and it said, Madonna didn't invent sex, God did. Madonna didn't invent sex, God did. We got, we got local news, okay? The TV channel came to interview me, right? Because they're not used to hearing that from Christians. But this is the word of God to us. Sex is not the sin, lust is. As Bible-believing Christians, we're thankful for our gracious God and this beautiful gift. We know it's his gift because in Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter in our Bibles, before the fall, 
of Adam and Eve before sin ruins it all, back in paradise when it was perfect, we're told that after God flings the stars into space, after he handcrafts this magnificent planet, after he fills it with life, both plant and animal, he forms our first parents, beautiful, naked, unashamed. And he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. As far as I know, there's only one way to do that. And it is through God's beautiful gift. The next chapter, Genesis chapter 2, the story is repeated. God creates the man and the woman. He brings the woman to the man. Did you know God gives away the bride? God gives away the bride and Adam says, wow, this is flesh of my flesh. This is bone of my bone. This is woo-man, woe-man. I like that, don't you? This is a great gift from God, he says. And there, in black and white, in my Bible and in yours, we are told that the two become one flesh. Purity, you see, is God's plan to protect this beautiful and special gift. We're told about it in the Older Testament. We're told about it again in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13 contains this rather interesting scripture. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Okay, the second half, the warning, is there because of the first half. The blessing. You protect the beauty of the marriage bed of, of sexual expression between a woman and a man for a lifetime the way God intended it. You protect it by avoiding the pitfalls of lust. The first antidote to sexual sin is proper sexual satisfaction within a lifelong committed marriage. God gave it to us for a reason this gift of sex, it somehow mysteriously uh, connects us, bonds us, deepens our connectedness. Uh, the man shall leave his father and mother and they will cleave, cling, be bonded to one another. Uh, this, this holy mystery we understand just a little bit of because of contemporary science. Science has studied the human brain and the, the effect of sexual intimacy and ecstasy on the human brain. We now know that when people are sexually aroused, neurochemicals, oxytocin and prolactin, are released in the brain and they create a feeling of attachment. They intensify the bond. What a gift. <laughs> Only God. God has given us bodies and brains that function in harmony with each other. The, the, the neurochemical oxytocin is called the cuddle chemical. It's the one that's released when a, a mother nurses her child and creates that emotional bond. And the same thing happens when sexual intimacy is enjoyed between a wife and a husband, a husband and a wife. It's part of God's beautiful plan. It's how we become truly one flesh, which is why the Song of Songs is in here. How beautiful you are, my darling. 
Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has a twin and none of them is alone. <laughs> Ever seen anybody with their teeth knocked out? You know, I mean, you got to get to the poetry here. He's saying, you're really beautiful because you got all your teeth. Right? That's what he's saying. He's saying they all match. They're all good. Anybody seen uh, people from countries and places where they don't have the kind of dental care we have? It's kind of like, don't smile. Okay? All right? Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has a twin. Not one of them is alone. This is Song of Songs, chapter 4. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Ever seen a woman in the Middle East with a, with a veil about the middle of her face? So what do you see? You see the upper part, and here it's described in a beautiful way. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with courses of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. You've seen the little um, coins hanging on like a golden thread, you know? Beautiful. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. I will go to the mountains of myrrh and to the hills of incense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Powerful. A blessing. A gift to be treasured. A gift designed to bond a married couple for a lifetime. Thank God. The Bible is also clear that this gift from our gracious God has in it an element of danger, the danger of lust. Lust isn't sex. Lust is a distortion of sex. It is faux sex, phony sex, a shallow substitute for the real thing. Unlike this beautiful and sacred thing that the scriptures describe. Lust instead dulls our souls, leads us downward into a shadowy place where sex is reduced of all its beauty and transcendence. Now it's just sweaty bodies and self-indulgence. Lust often leads to obsessive, compulsive, destructive self-indulgence before marriage or outside of it. Which is why in 1 Corinthians we have this very plain and powerful teaching. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 and following. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Oh, there's our, there's our memory verse, right? There's our memory verse. Take it out, would you, out of your program? It's on a little blue card, a square card. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, would you read the last phrase? Therefore, therefore honor God with your bodies. Uh, I, I read a long time ago an, an illustration that said, this gift from God is like a beautiful hand-woven tapestry that he has designed to hang on the wall of our marriage. 
But what, I, what many of us have done, what our culture and society has done, is to take it down off the wall, put it on the floor, and wipe our feet. We've taken something beautiful and made it something ugly. And God warns us against going there because the same neurochemicals, remember oxytocin, prolactin, what are they called? They're called the cuddle chemicals. They, they create bonding with others. When you go to the place called lust, the land of lust, uh, anybody know what this is? What kind of tape? Duct tape. It'll serve, it'll do anything, right? It'll fix anything. All right, you got this duct tape, and the duct tape is sticky. And the sexual uh, experience creates a stickiness between a wife and a husband over time. It intensifies and deepens the bond. Well, what happens if you stick and unstick the same piece of tape over and over and over again? See, every time you connect yourself sexually with someone other than your life partner, even if it's just an image, what happens is you destroy the stickiness. Okay? And, and again, contemporary research is showing what's happening in our society, especially with young men and young women who've grown up on the, on the Internet. And they have, through being sexually aroused, been connected with oxytocin and prolactin over and over and over again. And when they go to get married, and as they go through life, the stickiness doesn't work anymore. There's something broken. There's something lost. God isn't looking to spoil our fun. He's looking to protect our joy. He's not trying to stop us from going somewhere that's going to provide ultimate pleasure. He's trying to stop us from going to a place that will provide ultimate pain. And what happens is, especially young guys get hooked on images on the Internet, you know, that in the, in the land of lust, it's all about you. All the time, all about you. What you like, what you want. Those images never say no. They never have a hard day. They never go through a problem. So then you get into a real relationship with a spouse, and now you're in trouble. Now you're, in, now you're messed up. Now you've, you've polluted and poisoned it with so much junk that it doesn't work like it was supposed to work the way God intended it to work. And there is a whole industry designed to get us all hooked. There's a Christian ministry called XXXChurch.com. And it is all, in fact, in your program. Everybody take it out. There's another list in there. Uh, it's on a white sheet. On the front of it, there are some scripture verses and comments. And on the back, hmm, there's a list of resources, okay? One of the resources that's listed there is XXXChurch.com. And these guys have spent large amounts of time and energy trying to help Christians avoid the getting trapped in the land of lust. And what they tell us is that this highly financed industry is either targeting, tempting, or trapping all of us. The three T's. Target, tempted, trapped. Okay, and the whole idea is that maybe in a moment of weakness, some link on some page, some sidebar, some graphic somewhere will catch your attention. Uh, psychology tells us that our worst moments uh, are, are H-A-L-T, right? When we're hurting, angry, lonely, or tired. That's when we're vulnerable. 
So some spouse, some woman is up late one night and she is hurting, angry, lonely, or tired. And she clicks on a link and there's this chat room and there's this heroic person there who is understands her completely and, and invites her into a relationship. And the whole idea is that you will get or there's an image there, and it looks fairly innocent at first, and it promises something that it can never deliver. And some guy clicks on that, and he, and he, and he likes what he sees, and he says, well, I want to see that one again, and again, and again. And of course, we know that there's more at play here than just the industry. There is an evil one. The Bible says he is... Uh, a roaring lion. Anybody know the devil is a roaring lion? Let me try that one again. Anybody know the devil is a roaring lion? You ever heard him roar? You ever felt him roar? You ever know what he said? You know, before before you sin, whether in any sin, but particularly in this partic- in this area, what does the enemy say? No big deal. <laughs> no problem. You know, just a little look here and there, now and then. Just a little chat, you know, just, it's not, it's not a problem. Just go ahead. And then once you go ahead, what does he say? You scumbag. How, how could you do that? God will, God will never forgive you now. And uh, before we're done, I want to remind everybody in this place, sexual sin is not the unpardonable sin. Uh, there are consequences and, and there are evil results that happen when we go there, but there is hope, and there is healing, and there is forgiveness, and there is freedom in the power of the cross. You know, uh, the next principle that we need to think about is that not only is uh, purity the, the antidote to the sin of lust, but, but purity is possible for all of us. Uh, in Christ, we are overcomers, Okay? We are overcomers, and we can overcome uh, this by the help of God as we walk into freedom. And so I remember uh, probably 15 years or so ago, I read about a guy, a pastor, who was very open about the fact that this had been a struggle in his life, and he'd written a wonderful book called Pure Desire. And his name was Ted Roberts, pastor of a church out in Oregon, and I actually met him. I walked into a pastor's conference and saw this guy standing there and his name tag. And I'm like, Ted, Ted, Ted Roberts, tell me, tell me about your journey. Tell me about this ministry you lead and how you help people to find freedom. And he said, well, Glenn, you know, whenever we talk about the freedom that is possible in this area, he said, I want to remind people of a verse they seldom connect with this subject. And the verse is John chapter 10, verse 10. You might want to write that down. John chapter 10, verse 10. If you're, you know, Pastor Gary, this was like Pastor Gary's favorite verse, right? The second half of the verse says, I am come that you might have life and have it to the full. Anybody want life to the full? Amen. Well, what does the first half of the verse say? The thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And there's no more insidious uh, way in which the evil one wants to steal and kill and destroy than in the area we're talking about today. 
So Ted Roberts said to me, Glenn, here's what you do. When you think about your struggles in this area and the struggles of your people, have them write down how the enemy would want to steal and kill and destroy. What would he steal? He would steal your joy. He would steal any clear conscience that you have, load you up with guilt and regret. He would, you know, we talked about how the, the damage that it does over, over a period of time, it would, it would steal the health of your sexuality moving forward. He would steal and kill. What would he kill? Kill your trust if you're a married person. He'd kill the possibilities if you're not married yet but hope to be married someday. Kill your reputation if people found out. And destroy. It would, for many people, it destroys them, okay? We all know that. It destroys them. They get going somewhere. They go somewhere so far. And now we're dealing with obsessive sex or addictive sex or abusive sex or death-defying sex. There's an NBA player fighting for his life. And it's sad and it's tragic and it isn't just them out there, okay? Now, I don't want that to happen to any of us, do you? I don't want that to happen to any of us, none of us. And so here's what I know. I know that there are solutions and there are answers. And as we move to the close of our service, here's what I want us to do. I want us to think about the grace of God that can provide help and hope and freedom and joy in this area. One of the first things I learned as a, as a new believer was that memorizing scripture is a huge help in this battle. And as soon as I recognize the temptation is coming my way, there are verses that I learn that I immediately begin to repeat in my mind. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I love that verse. First of all, these temptations are common, okay? They're, they're everywhere. Did you know the Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way like we are? You know that? I mean, that's hard to imagine, but that is true. Even in this way, Jesus was tempted. But, God is faithful, who will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You can handle this. You don't have to give in. And how do you handle it? You look for the way of, of escape. And he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So how do you escape? You get up from that computer and you get out of there. You, you walk away from that relationship. You close down that chat room. You decide when you're strong that you're going to set yourself up to win when you're weak. So you put blocking software or, or uh, accountability software on your computer, not because you're weak, but because you're strong enough to know better. And you watch your relationship, and you have boundaries to what you will and won't do with a, a member of the opposite sex or with a member of the same sex if you have same-sex attraction. And you invite God into that relationship, and when those temptations come, you remember those scriptures. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I remember that. Uh, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I remember that. And I build myself up in the Lord. And when it gets stronger, and maybe I'm struggling even more, 
One of the things that I have, I mentioned Ed Lutzer's powerful book, How to Say No to a Stubborn Habit, or its new title, Getting to Know, the N-O. I did mention it. <laughs> mentioned it a couple weeks ago. It's a fabulous book. And in that book, he says, okay, when you are feeling tempted in any way and it begins to get overwhelming, here's what you do. You use that temptation as a trigger to pray for somebody else. Especially somebody else that you know might be struggling with that same kind of temptation. So you take the focus off of this so you stop obsessing about this image or this conversation or this inappropriate thought. You take the focus off of that and you put it on something good. I have a son and a son-in-law that I want to be pure and to win. When I, when I am tempted in this area and I recognize it, I immediately go to pray for them and I take something bad and I turn it into something good. I don't know if you know the name Gordon McDonald. Pastored one of the largest churches in the Boston area and lost his ministry through inappropriate sexual relationship. One of the very few high-profile Christians who went through something like that and worked really hard, went into an accountability relationship, went into a restorative process, and several years later came out the other side and is back in ministry. And it's a great story. Uh, I met Pastor McDonald while he was in the middle of his restoration process. A, a group of pastors invited him to come and talk to us. And he shared from his heart, he said, you know, one of the greatest dangers for pastors and other leaders and for many people is isolation. You feel like you're all alone. You feel like you can't trust anybody. You can't talk to anybody. And so you fight this battle all alone. He said the, the freedom and the joy and the healing began in his life when he began to trust a friend or two to, to develop the kind of trusting relationship with some guys where he could honestly talk about his heart. And he said it wasn't that they always talked about that temptation. It was that it did something healing and helpful to be able to be himself, to be able to talk about his weakness and his insecurity and his struggles and his wounds. Because here's what I know. Everybody who goes looking for some kind of sexual thrill, whether it's on the internet or in some personal relationship, everybody is searching for meaning and connection and intimacy. And those things are only found completely in God. One of the most powerful books on this subject I've ever read is called Surfing for God. And the whole point is that when people are surfing the internet, looking for a thrill, what they're really doing is surfing for God, who is the ultimate thrill, the ultimate satisfaction. And so I have learned in my life, and I want to encourage us to have a kind of Christian community where we can be open and honest and find somebody we can talk to and somebody we can trust. And by the power of God's Holy Spirit, he can bring healing and sanity and health into our lives. And what if this church was a place where we got this right? Where, where, where our marriages were holy and healthy, where single people were affirmed and supported, and, and, and their struggles were acknowledged. And what if those who have been someplace that has been very wounding and dark and damaging, what if they could find healing and what if they could find grace? And what if they could find help and love and acceptance? How beautiful would that be? I want that. I want that for us, for all of us 
And so the come to Jesus moment, we said there's a come to Jesus moment in every week in this series. The come to Jesus moment is right here, right now. And we're going to pray that God is going to bring healing and help, forgiveness and grace into all of our lives.